Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, the 8th of November. Thanks for being with us. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time today. It's dancingrabbitgolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. If you want the best in wireless, if you want the best in home internet, if you want the best in business IT solutions, Cspire is the answer. Learn more about them online at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. I was thinking about something a few minutes ago, and I'm curious if you guys are in this boat at all. I've gotten to the point with this Michigan Connor Stallions cheating scandal thing where I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like, like initially, okay, Michigan is sealing signs <laughs> and they're sending a guy to other people's games and maybe he's videoing them. And then we have video evidence that turns up from other teams. And Michigan's the bad guy. But it's taken so many twists and turns since then, including a letter today from the Michigan House of Representatives to Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, basically preemptively threatening litigation, a lawsuit, if the Big Ten chooses to punish Michigan before giving them due process... And we've got the people who were stealing Michigan signs that were sharing them with each other. And Tennessee somehow figures into this thing, I think, somewhere along the way. They do. And all the Big Ten coaches want Michigan punished. And again, Michigan is threatening, well, if you punish us, oh, we're coming after you. We're going to sue the conference. So arguably the biggest brand in the Big Ten is openly threatening to sue the conference that starting next year is going to pay it $100 million. Like, I don't even know what any of this means anymore. Am I alone on that island? 
it's impossible to follow at this point. I mean, because the other Big Ten teams shared their signs with Purdue when they played Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. But one of the coaches involved in deciphering signs said those were ones that we obtained during the game, which is not against the rules. But do you believe him? Do, do you believe that? Or are other teams in the Big Ten also obtaining it against the rules? Because from the very beginning, Michigan's sign-stealing was not the issue. It was how they were getting them. Right. And so if, if Ohio State wanted to call up Purdue and say, hey, we just played Michigan, this is what our guy up in the booth figured out, here you go, not against the rules. Now, there's apparently a sportsmanship clause in the Big Ten bylaws that, that might come into play with something like that. But that, that part of it I, I'm, I'm kind of growing old caring about. Michigan's defense, has they, all of them have fallen flat, and the media are buying it hook, line, and sinker that, oh, well, Purdue had Michigan's, uh, whatever. Connor Stallions is still fascinating. Where he had well, an he's LLC. Been fired. He's been fired. Where he had. And apparently he was a part time vacuum cleaner repairman. Yes. And, his, and received an eviction notice from the rental home that he had because there were like 327 vacuum cleaners that were stationed on his front porch. And then he. He, uh, in response to that, said that it was a Michigan State fan knowing that he works at Michigan that's trying to get him evicted as payback for him working at Michigan and not because he has hundreds of vacuums on his porch. I mean, on this, I would say good for the Michigan State fan because who wants to live in a neighborhood where somebody's got 300 vacuum cleaners on their front porch? And then we learned that he and Blake Corum were set up an LLC together and were in some kind of business that probably knowing Stallions is shady to some degree or another. And then Corum denies just, oh, no, like that. I had no business connection whatsoever. Like my name being tied to this is a mystery to me. And then the internet does what it does. And there's Corum promoting the LLC on his Instagram. Hey, Dad, do you have anything you need to confess, like uh, a business relationship that you have, a limited liability corporation with Woody Marks or, or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't have uh, I don't have any, any other shady, I don't have any business dealings, shady or otherwise. You don't have like this a is the kind of thing and, that and Crock-Pot repair service on the side? No, okay. no, I, I love Crock-Pots, I like to eat food out of them, but... I have no no uh, knowledge of the, the the inner workings of them. Um, this is something that if this was like a season of billions or something, you you about eight episodes in, you you would just turn it off. And be like this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like every week it's something stupid and new. But this is real life. This is real life. Every week we get something new out of Connor Stallions. I'm at the point now where if we find find out that he actually has been calling plays for them for the last two years. He's been like their their shadow offensive coordinator. Then I, I okay, I believe it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like to your point, I like I, I've kind of I, I'm I'm sticking with it because I'm so invested at this point. But like, and I'm watching Suits and like you know uh, Harvey and Donna and Jessica and. Mike and Rachel and Robert Zane and like all the like all the same people. If I worked at a law firm that was 
that dysfunctional, I think I'd go find another place to work. Is Michigan football dysfunctional? They're like the last season of Game of Thrones at this point. They're just making it up as they go. Is it going to turn out with a bad ending? Not that I've watched it, but everybody said it was a bad ending. It, yeah, um, I think we may just get some sort of like nebulous ending. So uh, I didn't watch Dexter, but I've always heard the ending to that was nebulous. It was just kind of like, ah, they, nobody was happy at the end. Oh, we missed an angle, too. The NCAA has joined forces with Central Michigan in their investigation of how Connor Stallions was on the sideline. They've joined forces. Uh, again, that that seems to, to be something that they should have figured out in a few hours. I mean, this is more confusing than why the Hines County Election Commission can't get the right number of ballots at polling places on Election Day. Sorry, I just thought I'd weave that one in. Well, well folks oh, on Twitter, fun last night. Folks on Twitter had their uh, thoughts on why that was happening, um, uh, showing again that people on Twitter are woefully uninformed about the goings-on <sighs> of states that they don't even live in. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I-, I hope that Michigan sues, because you know what lawsuits lead to, generally speaking? Discovery. Discovery. I See, if I were the Big Ten, I'd say, okay. Sue us. We would love, we would love to be able to have unfettered access to all of your phones and emails. I think that's an empty threat for Michigan. I I would call their bluff. You really want us digging through all of your emails and phone records for all of your coaches and staff members? You really want us to do that? Okay. Please file the suit. We'll let our attorneys know it's on the way. Can't wait for the next round of realignment where Michigan joins the SEC. <laughs> I can't believe you said that out loud because about 10 minutes ago I was sitting here thinking, what if Michigan just said, you know what, screw it, we're leaving the Big Ten, and, and picked up the phone and called Greg Sankey. The amount, you guys, you guys follow message board geniuses. For those of you listening, there, there's an account on Twitter that screenshots the dumbest things that are posted on message boards around college football oh, yeah. land. Oh, yeah. And he, he frames it as if... I may have sent them the, something from time to time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gold, right? The amount of Michigan fans that have said on their message boards, why hasn't the SEC stepped in to save us yet, is hilarious to me. It, it is so funny. Like, you guys think that, that Greg Sankey in Birmingham, who answers to Alabama con- and LSU in Georgia, is going to go save Michigan? <laughs> what? Gives Kentucky a natural rival when they join the conference. Michigan's state away. Border state. Hey, it can't happen uh, yeah, unless enough. unless Indiana is also added. Is we'll take Notre Dame. Oh yeah, not no. Oh, I've see, done I it. I've done I it, Greg. University you can, you of can Indiana. have it. I didn't mean. Nah, nah. I didn't mean the state of Indiana. Yeah. Now, of uh, does Indiana touch Michigan? I feel like yeah, I should know that without having to look at a map. Yes, yes, of course it does. Northern northern border, southern border. Hi, hi, hi. I mean, it's just a lot there. You know what we need to happen? Because Chase is pointing out, is like you, they either need to wrap it up or not let them play, right? Just lose to Penn State this weekend. Just lose. and it, just, that, That's what we need to happen. That's what college football needs to happen. If, you want, if you're sick of the Michigan story, root for Penn State this Penn weekend. Penn State can be the hero. What a change of pace for them. Oh, we got some good messages. Good messages on the ceasefire text line. What is more shocking, Michigan scandal or learning of Hey Dad's former caloric intake? 
Jim Harbaugh won't fake his death. He said that was related to Dexter. I was thinking that was related to Jim McElwain. Remember the death threats? The fake death threats? Best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Later this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line, we'll be joined by Travis Brown, who covers Texas A&M. We'll talk with him about the matchup with Mississippi State coming up this weekend. And in the 5 o'clock hour, Jordan Hill will join us, covers the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll get into the matchup between the Rebels and the Dogs between the Hedges on Saturday night with him. That's coming up later this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Um, a couple of you actually sent messages uh, about our election coverage last night that were, were complimentary. Thank you for those. I, you know, we don't have to talk about anything related to the election today, much to Brian Haydad's relief. That was a cool experience for me last night. That was unlike anything that I've ever done before on the, uh, on the radio. And to have uh, Henry Barber and Lucian Smith and Sid Salter all involved for the entire three hours of the broadcast from 8 until 11 last night, there is a lot of Mississippi political history and institutional knowledge that exists among those three. And uh, pretty cool stuff. It, it was like it was like the perfect night. The, the timing was just right. It, it ended right before we went off the air. And uh, we had kind of like the early scandal and digging into lawsuits and what was yeah. filed where and who was supposed to be doing what. And uh, and then it all kind of just settled into tabulating votes and trying to kind of figure out where it went. So um, that was cool. Thanks to all of you who uh, who um, partook of that. And they, they said at one point, Will told me at one point that we had 10,000 people that were watching on our YouTube channel. Um, to awesome. go along with whoever was listening on the radio, was watching on Super Talk TV and, and all those things. So there are a lot of people that were involved in that coverage at our company um, that made it all possible last night, made it look and sound the way that it did. And so really appreciate everybody that was uh, involved with that. That was that was cool last night. Um, I, I want to try to rip through all of these messages because there are a bunch of good ones on the ceasefire text line. And after we read all of them just successively, because they're, it's almost like non sequitur with some of them, and some of them tie together, uh, we'll, we'll go back and cherry pick the ones we need to talk about a little bit more. Uh, future USC defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, bookmark it. If Ole Miss beats Georgia and wins out, Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, would Ole Miss have a chance going to the playoffs since they beat Georgia head-to-head? The scandal sounds like a good movie or series for a streaming service. Hey Dad has a lasagna smoking service, but he doesn't do it at night. Is Chris Parson starting for MSU on Saturday? Jim Harbaugh won't fake his death. What is more shocking, Michigan scandal or learning of Hey Dad's caloric intake? 
Michigan can outright former. cheat. Former, he said that one. Former, former, sorry. Yeah. Um, Michigan can outright cheat, but Ole Miss gets the book thrown at it because a player sleeps on a couch, among other things. Uh, speaking of message board geniuses and a post about Mississippi State on there. <laughs> Watch Michigan win the natty just to turn around and have it vacated because of the scandal. Friday, February 16th, the fun begins. About Haydad's calories, I'm just glad he's still with us. Surprise, his heart didn't explode. I don't know why I thought they had two losses already. I guess I was counting OSU and Michigan as losses for them already, as well as having them pegged for 10-2, and two, so I withdraw. That's Chase as it pertains to... Wait, no, that was our I, whatever. It was something about Penn State. It was Chase. He and I were having a discussion about the Big Ten uh, and the tiebreakers. And I'm looking for a Gerard Haydad 2027 bumper sticker. That's what the C Spire yeah. text line looks like right now. Yeah. I was talking to a friend. Shall we discuss? <laughs> yeah, sure. I was talking to a friend the other day, speaking of political campaigns. Well, yes. I am going to oh, run I was going to go something. ahead and announce our candidacy, but, you know, huh. Borky for something is a thing. But, yes, Gerard and I, yes, our candidacy is official. The first ever ticket of governor and lieutenant governor to run together, like a president-vice president kind of deal. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I was talking to a friend about this the other day. He is equally as anti-politics and sports as I am and apparently was not too thrilled uh, with – being bombarded with politics all over the Grove on Saturday from both sides, one to one sided thing, uh, at least in his experience. And I told him when I run, I will ban politics, campaigning of any kind in all tailgating areas and during game broadcasts in the state of Mississippi. And he said he would vote for me. So I got one. Michael Borty, the anti free speech candidate. Hey, hey, I got the attack ad ready to go. That's fine, because you can do that any other day, but football Saturday mm-hmm. is sacred, and your political campaign... You can do it You can do it on Saturday. You just can't do it around football. Around like football. Like, you want to put your, your, your political ads on HGTV or the Cooking Channel or Freeform or whatever, you're good. Not Let during just, football, though. Yeah, I, he told me about... So, uh, I, I hate to... You can be brilliant when you're young and stupid when you're old, but he told me that a young guy representing one of the candidates came into their tent, uninvited, just walked into their tent and started talking about, you should vote for the candidate that I want you to vote for. And the entire tent was like, no, no, hey, not in here. You know, no thanks. We, we appreciate, but no. And the kid got mad and like started lecturing them about why his message is important and they need to hear it. And ignoring him is ignoring the serious problems that Mississippi faces and all that. Like, you should you shouldn't punch anybody, but that kid should have been shoved to the ground in that moment. Get out of here! We asked you to leave. Go. Like, you're gonna lecture me, you 20 year old little jerk, about politics when I'm trying to enjoy game day? No, ban it all. Let me throw one more topic into the uh, into the hopper. Bring it. Greg McElroy calling out little Stewie Mandel. So Stewie oh, no. on Twitter last night says Greg McElroy. McElroy had a had a rough day yesterday anyway. We'll get to that. Greg McElroy is planning to see that one loss Alabama should be ranked higher than one loss Oregon, knowing that might be the exact debate for the number four if both went out. To which Greg McElroy responded, 
Your tweet is questioning my professionalism, Stewie. Actually, he said Stu. You're better than that. I want consistency. If Ohio State is number one because of their resume, then we should use resume to evaluate the other teams as well. Therefore, Texas should be the highest-ranked one-loss team. throw that topic into the hopper as well. What was the other problem that Greg McElroy had yesterday? He, he put out his top six and had Oregon at six, and then when the college football playoff rankings came out and had Oregon at six, he, didn't, he disagreed with them being at six. Mm. Sometimes you just get so caught up in things, Whoops. you forget what you said the first time. I've been there with you know. Well, hold on. You argue, wants, you argue yourself into a circle. He hey, Dad. Oh, it smells delicious, oh, but you need help. My bad. Oh, really? Yeah. It happens to me every now and then, too. What can I say? Hey. One thing that did bother me. Which is weird. I keep my phone on silent. Why is that done? You have to pay extra for that. Oh. How do you okay. know? <laughs> hmm? No, it's my OnlyFans. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm the one doing oh, yeah. the charging. That's there. right, yeah. Uh, no, there was something last night that bothered me, though. or bothered me in a sense that you can't be... Speaking of Greg McElroy, consistent with this. They talked about how Florida State got bonus points for playing down a couple of players and winning anyway. And my thought was, you going to do that for every team? You going to look at the injury report for every team every week? To, to use a local example, Trey Harris didn't play for Ole Miss against Alabama. Do, do you make that not as – do you give Ole Miss points for playing Alabama kind of close on the road without their best player who clearly is a game changer? So you're going to do that with everybody? What happens if – Georgia's got a linebacker out this week. If Ole Miss beats him, are you going to – well, Georgia didn't have Brock Bowers, who is practicing this week, by the way, and their linebacker, and so therefore it wasn't as bad of a loss and we shouldn't knock them down? I don't like that. The team's played – and the score came out, and if you're going to talk about injuries and give teams bonus points for winning with injuries, th- then shouldn't you give teams grace for losing with them? It's hard to keep up with that, and I don't like that they're using that logic in their room. Well, but we should remember that the logic for explaining why the committee ranks teams the way they rank them. And there is, what year of this is the playoff? 2014 was year one. So this is year 11, year 10 of the playoff? Whatever. 10 or 11. Like almost every single show following every single poll with every single chairman of the playoff committee has used a different logic for why they ranked teams the way they did in that given week. So, Borky, this year they may be, or this week, they may be using injuries as the reason that they ranked a team where they ranked. And then that might not even come into play next week. I mean, consistency is an issue with the playoff committee. Who's bad? Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm.
Well, hey, Dad, is Chris Parson going to start Saturday for Mississippi State at Texas A&M? If I had to guess, no. You were making me make an educated guess, I would say no. Does that mean Will Rogers is going to start? If he's healthy, he will start. I think Mike Wright will start, though. Why? Because bad coaches make bad decisions. Like, like, like that's the part of the of your answer that makes no sense to me. Yeah, no, you're right. Correct. You're right. Like Mike Wright starting makes zero sense. Yeah, yeah. Will I Rogers agree. healthy starts? Yes. Period. Okay. Yes. I got it. I don't think no, Will Rogers will no be debate. healthy, and I think I think that Arnett will say didn't want to put a true freshman out there in front of ninety thousand people. So I went with the veteran. Will Rogers is practicing, according to Arnett. Yeah. He's been practicing this whole time, according to Arnett. It's just been a question of how much he's been able to do in practice. What's wrong with him? It's his left shoulder. His non-throwing shoulder. Now, is that official? No. no, No, I understand that, but I mean, like, what with your non-throwing shoulder would keep you out of games for a month that doesn't require any sort of brace or wrap or, or at least not one that we can he's see? Been, he's been, no, 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 no. He's been wearing a wrap. Okay. Is he had it in a sling? No. Not that I've seen. All right. I mean, so do we think it's some sort of a joint issue or like a rotator cuff thing or a... Now, now, now I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'd tell you to ask Arnett, but he knows. Le- he, he apparently knows less than I do. Or is willing to reveal less. Or at least he's willing to tell you, yeah. I mean, yeah. can't even get any speculation on I, I just didn't know like, if you had heard educated speculation as to what type of non-throwing shoulder injury would keep you out for a month. No. Okay. I haven't dug too deep into the uh, the world of uh, orthopedics. Okay. Um. So you think if it's not Will Rogers, it's Mike Wright? That is that is my educa- That is what I'm going to say. Yes, because I just I just feel like Arnett will play the didn't want to play a freshman in front of that many you know in, in a tough road environment. Wanted to go with the veteran there. It doesn't matter. He doesn't. Be, I hate to be cynical like that. And, and you could say, well, Parson needs the experience. He does. Uh, he flashed a lot at the end of that game. He's he's clearly uh, bouncy is the word that basketball people use. He, he's got athleticism and better arm than Mike Wright for sure. Took a couple sacks that he, uh, with more experience, he probably won't, or at least you hope he won't. Wasn't the most accurate, but again, it was his first game action. He seemed to be really hyped up, almost too hyped up, and once he calms down a little bit, he'll probably uh, be a little bit more accurate throwing the ball. Like there, There's a lot there that, that you see, but playing in this offense with this team at Texas A&M or not playing at Texas A&M with this team in this offense is not going to make or break his development. It, it, it's okay if he doesn't play Saturday. He's going to be what he's going to be with or without Saturday in College Station before Will Rogers comes back. So, you know, I talked to one of my state fan friends earlier, and he was like, I just, I wish that Parson could get the reps. And 
you know, I understand that, but I promise he's not missing anything. As cynical as that is to say, he's not missing anything by not starting this game. No, no, no. I, I, I don't mean that he's missing anything in terms of his development. But I've always heard coaches say, if you've got an older guy and a younger guy that are exactly the same in what they can give you, play the younger guy. Because the potential for upside is higher. It's not going to burn a red shirt. I don't think it really affects your chances of winning or losing dramatically one way or the other. Goes back to what Haydad said, though. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. That's cynical, but... That's just where I am, though. I mean, Make sense of it otherwise. Uh, All right, so does that mean you're not going to play him at all? No, I'm sure that at some point when they get down three touchdowns again, they'll, they'll put him in. Well, see, that makes it that makes the decision even stupider. And I yes, yes I, I realize that it should be more stupid. I understand. No, it doesn't matter how you want to put it. Yeah, we don't want to run Chris Parson out there in front of ninety to a hundred thousand people, unless we're already down three touchdowns, and then we'll oh go get him yeah. some reps, huh? But and, and how that. useless is how useless Again. is garbage time too? I mean. Hey, did I? Like, I'm I'm struggling. We have reached the point where, like, even the most basic decisions don't make sense. Now, I understand. I understand mm-hmm. that we are we are opining. And I'm just giving we, you my opinion here. Kind of I just want to make think. that clear. Sure. No, I understand yeah. that. And and your opinion was that you think Mike Wright is going to start mm-hmm. as opposed to Chris Parson. I just like. I don't even know how to make that make sense. Oh, you can't. In the same way that I really didn't know how to make it make sense when people were, while Will Rogers was not playing very well, banging the drum for, we got to get Mike right, it's time to start Mike right. Yeah, let's start the guy that couldn't win the starting quarterback job at Vanderbilt. That's going to be the answer for us for greater success in the Southeastern Conference. That didn't make any sense to me either earlier in the year. Yeah. Hmm. Who's going to eat crow on Saturday? This is something that bothers me, and I'm going to call this guy out here a little bit here, but he asked us three times, do you all know if Chris Parsons is starting? And we answer the question. He's like, "Now you're going. We'll eat crow." So, did you know something? Do you know something there, buddy? Because if you knew and you were asking us, why are you wasting your time? You only got so much time in this world, buddy. Don't ask uh, questions you know the answer to. Perhaps it would have been better for you to send us a message and say, "Hey, guys, talk and to Chris Parson. I starting, think Chris huh? Parson is going to start on Saturday, and then we could have discussed. And we that. could have had that discussion, but Amanda in Pike County, stupider, old Miss English." No, I was actually using it to drive home a point, Amanda. But you knew that already, didn't you? Didn't you already know that, Amanda? You leave Amanda alone. She's very nice. I completely agree. Agree. Completely agree. Jerry and Pontiac, uh, good good tweet earlier. Hey, Richard, I thought you did a good job last night in the election. Then I realized any jerk can read a vote count. How hard can that be? 
Thanks, Jerry. Next year, it's me and you, Borky. Oh, I love it. How many votes? I with a bottle with some. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I think we're having fun. I want to have, I want to have the, Wednesday after the, the telescoping wand. I want to be able to point to a map and things, you know. Roll up your sleeves. What's going on here like in Tishomingo County? Let's go sweaty. to that. Well, I'm always oddly sweaty. I gotta be. I'm a, I'm a sweater. You know, I'm just, I get to about 68 in the room. I'm just, start getting a little sweaty. All right, we got a message earlier that said all of the local Georgia radio shows. And there are only a couple of those in Athens, so I'm assuming that they're listening to Atlanta Sports Talk Radio primarily. Um, said that Ole Miss is getting no respect, that everybody thinks Georgia's going to win, it's not even going to be a contest, why are people talking about an upset, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I feel like there's some people that, you know, they, they tune into local sports radio of an opposing team on game week, kind of curious about what they're saying. I, my question would be, what would you expect from Georgia radio talking heads who cover a team that has won 26 straight games? And I saw the most amazing graphic earlier today. I took a screenshot of it so I wouldn't forget it. I would get it exactly right. As of November 8th, 2020, not that long ago, November 8th, 2020, Kirby Smart's record at Georgia was 48 and 14. As of November 8th, 2023, Kirby Smart's record at Georgia is 90 and 15. Like, I had to stare at that for a second and go, well, hold on a second. Wait, what? He was 48 and 14. On November 8th, three years ago. Today is November 8th, three years later. And he is 42-1 and as a head coach in the last 43 games. Unbelievable. And we've already thrown it out a bunch this week, but they haven't lost at home since 2018. You know how long ago that was? Them not being confident... And that team and that program would be more surprising than them being confident in that team and that I mean, program that right bat now. That wasn't even sick in China in 2018. Oh, I thought it was a pangolin. That was on. No, that was on South Park. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So, hey, Dad, we've had multiple people now send us messages saying that Will Rogers or a family member of Will Rogers has let the staff at State know that he would prefer not to play anymore this season, would play in an emergency situation, but not, you know, if it's not an emergency, then would prefer to heal and stay healthy and be ready for wherever he's going next year. Have you seen that floating around? 
That's one of those things. It's like, uh, it's an online thing. Nobody actually said that to anybody. I mean, I've seen that Bob Stoops is the next coach at Mississippi State floating around, too. What are we talking about here? Okay. Crap floats around on the Internet. I don't know how else to put it. Well, I mean, I, 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 that's kind of why I wanted to bring it to your attention, because yeah. multiple people have sent us messages about that, and it just – I mean, somebody said, hey, I talked to somebody really close that told me this, and I'm like, yeah, no offense to your sources, but I find this really hard to believe. Thanks. <laughs> Somebody just said, hey, Dad, I'm 57, never been to a college football game. Grandson is a state fan, so we're going to the Egg Bowl. Any tips for a pleasant event? Yeah. Stay home. Don't come. It's not going to be pleasant if you're a state fan. So preserving a red shirt. It wouldn't be a red shirt. He's already played. No, no, it wouldn't be preserving a red shirt. It would just be preserving health. Yes, it doesn't make any walking sense. walking your doggy. Yeah, if it is untrue, which, you know, how does something like that start? Where does that start? Has that made it to message board geniuses yet, by the way? That hasn't. No, but the Bob Stoops thing did. The Bob Stoops thing, yeah. yeah. That one's like one of those things that it's, it's, it's too niche. Nobody would... Like, message board genius is like, who? Will Rogers, what? Does Nobody cares. They, they hit the big stories. Uh, Will literally said a few days ago that he was playing the Egg Bowl even if his arm was falling off. I heard that. He did say that. He did say that. That's what he said on the, uh, that he, he, would, he would be back for the Egg Bowl no matter what. Hey, what do you make of the folks? Uh, we got a few of these messages yesterday, and we've gotten it a couple of times today as well. People are doing the anything can happen in the Egg Bowl. Crazy happens in the Egg Bowl. We've seen ridiculous outcomes before in the Egg Bowl. I think I've even said that to you, hey, Dad. I was like, why are you writing this thing off? Like, there, there's weird stuff that's happened in the Egg Bowl that we have all been witness to. We're like all LeBron James. I am witness. Yeah, but... I'm not feeling it this year. I, I when I look at these two teams, like they are I'm dead just, to I don't see how. Well, I mean this this season is dead to me. Yeah. So does it mean I don't hurt? I still hurt. You guys but, know the history better than I do. There, there have been Mississippi State teams that were not having the same season as Ole Miss teams that have won the Egg Bowl and, and vice versa. That that has happened, but I mean, generally speaking. Since I've been here, those kind of games have been played by teams that are still like on the uh, on the same plane. Certainly not a lame duck coach, stuff like that. You know, it, it, it happens. But w- when you have a discrepancy between the teams like this one, how often do crazy things happen to the point where well, an upset would? And I think that's the last a good two point big here. upsets in the Egg Bowl. The last two big upsets in the Egg Bowl were in 2017, Ole Miss, I think, was a two-touchdown underdog, but Fitzgerald gets hurt, and Ole Miss wins. The other one that stands out is 2009, Ole Miss coming in with 8-3, and three, State was 4-7, and seven, and that that is a, that's the last, like, true upset where nothing crazy really happened in that game. Like, State was just better than Ole Miss that day. I mean, so when we say upsets happen, yeah, 2012 was an upset for sure. But that, you know, 
that state team was was regressing big time at the end of the year. 2013's a bit of an upset, but I mean Ole Miss went eight and five and state was was seven and six. It's right. not it's not a huge deal. 2014, those were both good teams. It was in Oxford, and that's just the way it goes. So Yeah, and, and to me, maybe the biggest example of what was 2003, right? In the rain in Starkville in 2003. Mm-hmm. Jackie's last really good game. that year. Eli Manning's senior year. Jackie Sherrill's last game. Should be reason for emotion. And it was just. 31 nothing. And. It was clinical. Really wasn't anywhere that close. I thought I had one in my head a second ago, but I forgot it. His state had one like that where they were significantly better than Ole Miss and just beat them like a drum. Oh, the Nick Fitzgerald game. In, I'm sorry, not Nick Fitzgerald, the uh, Garrett Schaefer game. Schra- Schrader. Was it Garrett Schrader? It was Fitzgerald in Oxford. Yeah. In 2018, yeah. Okay. Yeah, state was just better. Yeah. And, I mean. And pounded them, yeah. And Fitzgerald's still running. Still. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour, coming up next with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. o'clock hour sports talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv headed to the farm bureau guest line to start this hour of the show check out favorites.com and go with the home team mississippi farm bureau we apparently did not anger travis brown or ask questions that were so bad he said heck no i'm not talking to those guys again uh we talked with travis last week getting ready for Ole miss texas a&m this week it's mississippi state in college station Travis Brown from the Bryan College Station Eagle joining us. And, uh, Travis, thank you for your time for a second week in a row. Hey, no problem, guys. It's, it's a, you know, they say here in Aggieland, uh, if you do anything twice, it's a tradition. So I think we're in tradition territory now. Does that mean we can, uh, we can wear the milkman costumes while we do the interview? There you go. Whatever, whatever makes you comfortable. I mean that's a tradition. I, I think. Uh, no, I'm just giving you, uh, uh, giving you a hard time. What was, what was the reaction among A and M fans, etc., post last Saturday? Yeah, you know, I, it's a tough one because I, I think you can easily say going back before last week that that the the fan base isn't happy it isn't happy about how last season went for sure isn't happy about how that's kind of continued into this season and I I don't know how much it's hard to tell how much last week's game magnified or 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 didn't magnify it because I think there was some level of thought that you know that that is a game that may and might not necessarily have been favored to win or, or or should have won and so you, you kind of have to weigh that in, but I, I, I do think that the, the the overall thought on everything is the fact that the fan base isn't happy, and it, it's almost kind of gotten to that point where it's the 
the anger has subsided, and it almost seems like there's that just level of kind of apathy uh, of just kind of, oh, well, um, that's kind of settled in. And that, that's when it really gets concerning is, is when, when the, the, the hotheads, the anger, that just kind of dies down and it's just kind of more shoulder shrugs than, than screaming into the void. Will that be reflected in attendance this week? You know, I don't think so. You have to give I'm, – I'm not an Aggie. I didn't go to A&M, but you do have to give A&M fans credit that they, they do turn out no matter really what's going on uh, in games. I mean, sometimes it's the difference between, you know, 104,000 and, and 90,000, but still that's a, that's a heck, of a heck of a good crowd. So it's hard usually necessarily to gauge as far as football goes that level of apathy because they, they do turn out and, you know, college football tickets aren't cheap. There's a, a whole lot of Aggie alums out there. So even the ones who have season tickets who might not necessarily say they're, they're kind of done with it and want to go, they'll pawn those tickets off onto other Aggie families that might not afford or have it in their budget to, to do the season tickets and those people show up. So there's usually always a decent crowd. Now the level of noise and, and all that could be affected, but they, they usually do turn out. We've been tracking quarterback injuries and quarterback everything. Who's going to have play over here in, in Mississippi with Mississippi State? Let's talk about what's going on over there at, at Texas A&M. It looks like Max Johnson is practicing. They expect him to play. I know he's the backup. If he's not available for Texas A&M, where do they turn to? Well, there's Jalen Henderson, who is a Fresno State State transfer who came in earlier this season, but he's very unproven. He only saw action in five games with the Bulldogs before coming here, and those all were in seemingly kind of mop-up duty. Um, I, we asked Jimbo Fisher this week, kind of how do you evaluate someone who has such little film? And it goes back to relationships with people who know him, know his quarterback trainers, have film on him from high school when he's working out in the offseason and things like that. And So he would probably be the guy. They also have Marcel Reed, who's a true freshman, uh, who hasn't had any – real college snaps yet. So that, that would be an interesting situation they have to go through, go to there if Max Johnson wasn't able to go. And, you know, there's still, while Jimbo Fisher has said he expects Max Johnson to play and that he is practicing, there's always kind of that, that wishy-washiness about the statement that it's, he's, he's practicing, he's at practice, you know, so you're not quite sure how everything really stands in that regard if you you know he's banged up because he's looked banged up by the end of these games and, and texas a&m leads the nation in uh hits allowed of, of their quarterback per pro football focus so it's 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 certainly a case that they're not getting max johnson at 100 percent if he's able to play this week and, and then the guys behind him are are decently unproven and, and travis i think that's a good point you make because ole miss only had one sack of Max Johnson last week, but he took a lot of shots. I mean, he went down hard, and by the end of that game, it, it was obvious that he was not a hundred percent or anywhere close. To yeah, you know, there was yeah, there was that one camera shot right at the end of the game where it it certainly could be construed that he was had a, a, a look of disappointment on his face because they they weren't able to hit that game tying field goal. It got blocked, but you know, with the way he walked off the field, I was down there on the field by that time and. You know, he was, he was, he was certainly not moving 
very uh, efficiently to get off that field after taking the, the hits he had. I mean, A&M quarterbacks have already gotten hit 33 times this season, which leads the, the country. And those aren't always sacks. Those can be just getting hit while he's releasing the ball and things like that. And, and it, they're on pace to, to be the – uh, to, to allow the most hits on their quarterback for the second straight season. Last year, there was 44 hits. So they're, they're already closing in on that mark and there's still, uh, three games to, to, to play this year. Um, it's, it's, it's not a great offensive line. There is some issues with Max Johnson's, um, ability to quickly work through his progressions and things like that. But, um, it, it would be the third time, the, se- the second time in as many seasons too that A&M would have to go to a third quarterback in a season. They, they've just been plagued with quarterback injuries over the last three or four years. Um, it, it, there, there's certainly a, a story there. You're right. Visiting with Travis Brown from the Bryan College Station, Eagle covers Texas A&M. You know, even in the loss last week, I thought Texas A&M kind of showed something offensively. They go for uh, a little over 150 yards on the ground, throw it for over 300, got a bunch of different receivers involved. Um, Amari Daniels uh, thought looked pretty darn good running the ball. They were able to get to the outside. When, when you look at this matchup with Mississippi State and, and the struggles that they've had, albeit their defense has played a little bit better over the last two or three weeks, what do you see as important in this matchup coming up on Saturday? Well, you know, I, I don't even think it necessarily matters who A&M is going against. And I, I've said this since before the season even started. This season was going to go the way that Texas, A&M, Texas A&M's offensive line went. If they played well, A&M would play well. And if they didn't play well, they're probably going to lose some games. And that's pretty much been the story of the season this year. You look at the first half, offensive line was – not playing well, decently porous, and uh, Max Johnson took some hits, and they weren't moving the ball. In the second half, it was had to have been the best half of football that A&M's offensive line has played this year, and they were extremely efficient uh, on offense, moving the ball down the field. And it was probably the best running game, like you mentioned, um, that A&M has had this year. I, I think with anybody, it's well – can the offensive line block, especially in pass protection, but even opening up some holes in that run game will help balance things out and give Max Johnson a, a little bit of time, make that play action pass a little bit more effective and um, kind of make the whole offense click a little bit better. So it, it all goes back to offensive line. Well, we got a couple of minutes here left, Travis. You know, the, the, the smoke around Jimbo Fisher right now seems to be that financially it's just too prohibitive to, to make a move on him, no matter what the other result is. You know, people are talking about the LSU game and possibly finishing seven and five. What if this game goes sideways, though, and this ends up being a six and six Texas A&M team? What, what, is there a, a path that Jimbo Fisher's final days in, in College Station are coming up? I don't think that you can never say never that the the money would be pooled to um, move on past Jimbo Fisher, but but every indication that that I've heard that I've talked to is the fact that that I don't think, barring you know a, a loss this week and a loss to ACU, that that they would move on from Jimbo Fisher this year. I mean, you're you're talking. Uh, just just shy of eighty million dollars to get rid of the guy, and then if you want to talk about bringing in uh, another coaching staff, you're already well into the hundred million range just to just to have a shot at a different look. That's not even uh, a, a, a solid return on investment that you know is going to happen. It's just 
getting the guy out of there and getting somebody else in place. And I, I don't think that that is in A&M's best interest, and I don't think that they think that that's in their best interest at this time, barring, of course, like you said, something going absolutely sideways. I, I, I think A&M comes out this weekend with a win. You would, you would hope, if you're anybody, that A&M comes out with a win against Abilene Christian and roll the dice, see how things go against LSU, and, and A&M will get to go to a bowl for the first time in, in two years. And so uh, I, I think that there's a lot more thought in trying to keep this 2022 recruiting class together, keep Connor Wegman in Aggieland, and the thought of keeping Jimbo Fisher and most of this coaching staff is, is the way to do that and then assess it from there. All sides point to how does A&M do against Texas next year? Uh, you know, it doesn't matter really how the season goes next year. If they lose to Texas, that's when you really think people will start talking and movement might start happening because of what that means around these parts. Place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook. Inside the Golden Moon Casino, visit PearlRiverResort.com. Um, getting a couple of messages today on the Ceasefire text line about the health of Micah Pettis. I, I have no information on that front. Borky, have you heard anything? No, I've been. I sent a couple messages out, and the only response I got was I heard he didn't practice today. But I mean, that that's it. I I don't know. Um, let's pretend for a second that it's real. There are going to be people that are going to ah oh, well. He holds too much. Not a big deal. It's a big deal. He was a punisher on Saturday against the statistically the best defensive front in the SEC. L- losing your multi-year starting right tackle before you play Georgia on the road is a big deal, if it is in fact true. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, does it mean that they're not going to win the game? No, of course not. But through the holding penalties, and they have been often, and through some of the struggles earlier this year, again, he was a punisher last Saturday. He was a tone setter. Played played violently in a good way, not in a punching you in the groin way. You, you, yeah, you'd miss it, that on Saturday. And he is a guy that raises the level of his play based on the, the level of the competition. I'm not saying that that's a good quality. Like, I watched him some against Arkansas and was like, I mean, what if you cared just a little bit? Like, it's not that hard when you pull to get a block on a linebacker who's at the line of scrimmage. Just whiff on a guy and blow it up in the backfield. But you're right. He was a difference maker on the line last week against uh, against Texas A&M. I don't know. We'll, um, we'll keep an eye on that. I've had a few people or a couple of people that have 
um, that mentioned there may be a health issue for Micah Pettis. So, um, obviously not something. In fact, Lane's not going to meet with the media again until after the game on Saturday. The SEC teleconference was the last media opportunity of the week. So, But even if he was, you're not going to get an update on the health of a starting offensive tackle. Yeah, no. I mean, they, they do have some experience behind him. I, I don't know how they're going to shuffle it. Maybe it's Kern, the Washington transfer, played a lot of football. Maybe he's your right tackle. Or, I mean, one of last year's starting tackles has been a backup for you. Uh, so another guy that's played a, a lot of football. But, uh, again, the, the, I, I'm preemptively responding to something that hasn't happened yet. But if there's, oh, it's fine, he holds too much, if that's out there, that's just not the takeaway to something like this at all. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. That's the best way for you to join us in the uh, in the conversation. We got a new college football playoff top 25 last night. No change in the top eight. Ohio State 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3, Florida State 4, Washington 5, Oregon 6, Texas 7, Alabama 8. So that is your top 8. Ole Miss moved up a spot to number 9. Real quick, would you change anything if you were on the committee? Um, I get why they're there, but Florida State and Washington have more impressive resumes than Michigan. Man, Michigan's schedule is a joke. It, it is really, really a joke. Ain't played nobody in November for an SEC team is stupid. Michigan ain't played nobody yet. I don't think they belong where they are at the moment, based on resume. Yeah, but I mean, all right, so, so bump them down three spots to six or make them the lowest-ranked undefeated team. And then if they bump, yeah. if they beat Penn State this week, you're just going to bump them right back up to three? I think I would keep them there until proven otherwise. I mean, it'll all work itself out, but if, if I had the vote on the committee, resumes matter. And I wouldn't have Michigan at three. I'd have them at five for whatever okay. that's worth. I don't have a – no, I don't have an issue with the top eight. Um I like Washington in front of Oregon. I know there are a lot of people that think that say I think Oregon's a better team, but I think the fact that they played each other and we saw the results of the game, like the scoreboard matters. We we do have a scoreboard. We do put check marks in either the left hand column or the right hand column, and uh, and Washington beat Oregon, so they should be in front of them. I don't think I have an issue with Oregon being the top ranked one loss team. Texas should be in front of Alabama because Texas beat Alabama on the field. Alabama should be in front of Ole Miss because Alabama beat Ole Miss on the field. Mm-hmm. We've gotten a couple I of think, questions about this, by the way, why Ohio State is ahead of, of Georgia at the moment. I like that they put them there. I think if they lined up against each other right now and play, Georgia would beat Ohio State. But it's not about what happened the last couple of years. At least it shouldn't be. It's what are you now. And if you look at Ohio State's resume – it's more impressive than Georgia's resume as of today. And and Georgia's schedule is getting better by the week. Ohio State had a win on the road at what was then number 9 Notre Dame. They had a home win against what was then number 7 Penn State. Um, 
and Notre Dame is 20 now and Penn State is 10 now. And, and Georgia's got the one win over Missouri at 14. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think based on what they have accomplished on the field this week, Ohio State deserves to be number one right now. If Georgia convincingly beats Ole Miss this weekend, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't put them at number one. I agree with that. Their resume would immediately improve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the win, but at the end of this, I would think the winner of Ohio State Michigan is going to be the one. I mean, I guess if Georgia beats Alabama, though, they, they could they could get it. It's, it'll be interesting to see who is the one. If Georgia navigates this stretch of Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, Alabama, and the SEC championship game, that's the best resume in the country. That that's the number one team, in, in my mind. I mean, certainly entitled to your opinion. I like Ole Miss over Penn State, but I like that. I mean, that's an eye test thing. Mm-hmm. I think Ole Miss looks better than Penn State. Offense is certainly more dynamic. Penn State's defense is really good. Penn State at ten. I, I mean, yeah, in front of Louisville, okay. Oregon State at twelve. I think the committee likes the Pac-12 too much. It's the best the league's been in quite some time, but I do think they overvalue the Pac-12 right now. They're going to play this weekend, and it's going to sort itself out, but right now I think Missouri's better than Tennessee. I I would flip-flop those two. I would have Missouri in front of Tennessee. Uh, And you might be like, well, what's Missouri done? They've got a win over Kansas State. That's a really good win. Number 25, Kansas State. I say a really good win. It's a good win. And they don't have any bad losses either. I mean, behind them, Oklahoma State has a really bad loss. Yeah. I might bump Ohio's Oklahoma State a touch. They're playing really, really well. Kansas, OU at 17, Utah, LSU. I mean, at some point you just go, well, LSU's got three losses. Well, it was to Florida State, and it was to Ole Miss on the road, and it was to Alabama on the road. Yeah, that's right. They played nine games, and they've lost a third of them. They may be the most talented offense in the country. They may have problems on defense. That group of wide receivers, Jaden Daniels, may be playing the best quarterback position. I get it. They've lost three times. Mm-hmm. I'm... I guess it was going into last week. You may still have some people who are like, well, I know what the records are, but I think LSU is a better football team than Ole Miss. Based on what? They played head-to-head and lost, plus two other losses for LSU. Ole Miss played nine games. They've lost one to the number eight team in the country that is playing better than the number eight team in the country right now. And they got smoked in Tuscaloosa. I know it was close early, but they they got smoked, man. I mean, the final score is not all that lopsided. It was twenty-four to ten, but it was not a close game in the second half. Alabama dominated the second half of that game. I like Arizona at twenty-one. I think Arizona's played really, really well. Iowa, eh, whatever. Yeah, the Tulane bottom hang- of this ranking is awful. Yeah, Tulane hanging there at twenty-three. Here's something to watch. Tulane is the highest-ranked group of five teams, as they were a year ago. They got the Cotton Bowl invite a year ago. They beat Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl. 
They're the highest-ranked Group of Five team again this year. Tulane has been playing with fire lately. If you've kept up with their games, they have not looked good the last couple of weeks. they they got to get it together in a hurry, or they won't be the Group of Five representative this year. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Jordan Hill will join us uh, about 20 minutes after 5, so a little less than an hour from now we'll talk Ole Miss and Georgia. Jordan covers the Georgia Bulldogs, so we'll look forward to that coming up in a little while. Curious um, to hear what he's heard about Brock Bowers, by the way. A lot of talk yeah. that he's practicing this week. Kirby kind of poured cold water on that today, talked about you know, it's easy coming off of an injury to run in a straight line. It's not about running in a straight line. It's the other stuff. And he's not sure that, that he can do that other stuff yet. Maybe he was embellishing, but I did find that to be a pretty detailed answer. Yeah. We'll see. I did see somebody point out earlier today that Saturday will mark 26 days since Brock Bowers had that tightrope surgery. Tua tonga Vailoa played 27 days after having the surgery. That would be a pretty devastating blow for uh, for old Mrs. Chances. Again, I Georgia should have lost Auburn with him. So Look, look, 75% Brock Bowers for Georgia is better than no Brock Bowers. No doubt. That that dude's a star and covering him is miserable. Nobody can do it. I mean, there's a reason he is what he is. Nobody can cover him. So if if he suits up and plays, that um, that really stinks for Ole Miss's chances. That because that dude's a star. He, he's one of one at the tight end position in college football. Yeah. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Join us if you would like. Ceasefire Text Line. Anything left on that um, top twenty-five poll? From for the college football playoff. Hey, is there anything that stood out to you as, oh, yes, I love this, I hate that, this is egregious, just kind of, it's okay? Not not really. Um, you know, yesterday we, we talked about doing our own uh, top 15, and, and just looking at it, I, I would be punishing Michigan for, for their schedule at this point. Like, with what I was going to do yesterday, I had Michigan fifth. Because I just I think that their schedule has been so poor. Now it's gonna it's gonna pick up in these next couple of weeks when they play Penn State and Ohio State, and that'll all balance itself out. But I mean, have we seen Michigan play anybody really with a pulse yet? I would say no. I don't I don't think that they they if we're talking about resumes, if resumes is why Ohio State is one, then why is Michigan three? I 
I uh, I agree with that. I think I would go Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, and and then Michigan at five. I I can't put them below a one loss team. Because regardless of who My they top. have played, if you watch the games, Michigan has been very impressive on both sides of the ball. They've dominated the line of scrimmage. They have been efficient offensively. They put up points against everybody they've played. Almost like they know what's coming. Almost. And on the defensive side, yeah, they my, just haven't allowed much of anything. So, What was your top four again? Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, Washington. Okay. I would just... like you said Oregon. No, 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 I would just take Michigan and drop them down to five as the the yeah. lowest ranked of the five undefeated. I had Washington two, actually. Ooh. Yeah. Do you have Ohio State I think their one, one over Oregon is... I had Ohio State one, Washington two, Georgia three, Florida State four. You know what? I wouldn't argue with that at all because that is very clearly a ranking that says... This ranking is based on what has happened on the field this season, period. Love that. Yeah. Games have to matter. That's what it's supposed to be, right? More... So do, you go, do you go Oregon or Texas at six? I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember who I had at six. I, think I, may, have had, I may have had Alabama, which would go with fly in the face of everything we just said. I mean, that can't work, though, because Texas beat Alabama. I know, I know, I get that. Okay. Apparently, then I start playing the whole. Well, if they played now, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Perhaps I erred a moment ago and did say Oregon when I was listing those teams. I apologize. Okay, I was, I was. That's why I asked. I was almost positive Oregon fourth, and I was like, that can't be right. I know what the spreads say, so maybe this is a dumb question, but what is more likely to happen? A Michigan loss on Saturday or a Georgia loss on Saturday? A Michigan loss. But it's, it's I'm, that's not me coming across as like Ole Miss has no chance. Ole Miss has a chance to win this game. But yet Michigan at Penn State, that's a much bigger chance of losing than Georgia hosting Ole Miss. That's a tough place to play, man. It is. It is violent. I'm, I'm assuming they're whiting out this weekend. Oh, I'm sure. I know they are. They are striping out this weekend. I believe. I don't like. But the it's look a noon of a game. Not, they they only do the white out when it's a night game. At night, okay. I believe that's correct. Um, that's so interesting about Michigan. How much stock do you put in the fact that they haven't been tested yet? And I, look, they went to the playoff last year. I get it, but this is a Michigan team that hasn't. You know, they, they've played well despite the distraction, I suppose, but again, it was Purdue, an awful, helpless Purdue team. There's a bunch of distractions. They're not going to have the sign stealer with them, and, and there's all kinds of stuff going on, and people are questioning them, and they haven't played anybody yet. They went to the playoff last year. We now have the knowledge that they had signs on every, almost every team they played. Then they finally play a team they don't have signs on, and they give up 50 points and lose. And then that team goes and gives up 60 points in a loss. To, so they didn't exactly lose to a world beater there. So, yeah, I put a lot of stock to the fact that Michigan hasn't played anybody this year. They can prove me wrong. They can shut me up by just going into Nittany, going into Happy Valley and, uh, and, and dominating that game, winning that game. 
But as for right now, I mean, if you look at the undefeateds and you say, I mean, as much as we talked about Georgia's schedule in the offseason and we pointed out that, hey, they, they were supposed to play Oklahoma. And uh, by the way, I think if the SEC could go back and get a do over, they'd have said, just keep that Oklahoma thing and we'll, we'll figure it out. You can play as a conference game next year. It's no big deal. And they could have worked the schedule around that. But we, we made all those comments about their schedule is so weak. They're not going to be challenged. They're not going to be challenged. I mean, we never really looked at Michigan. It's it's far worse mm-hmm. what they've played to this point. Yeah. All right. This is one of those special Saturdays. It's crazy that it only happens a couple of times a year, two or three times a year. All 14 teams are playing in the SEC, and you've got seven conference games. So, Alabama at Kentucky, Vandy at South Carolina, Tennessee at Missouri, Auburn at Arkansas, Ole Miss at Georgia, Florida at LSU, Mississippi State at Texas A&M. What is the least expensive ticket? Get in the door. So we're not talking like great seats. We're talking like, you know, top row, upper deck, corner of the end zone. Least expensive ticket to get in the door this weekend in the SEC. In the SEC? Yeah, in the SEC. It's got to be Vanderbilt, South Carolina. It is not. The Vanderbilt, State? South Carolina, the cheapest ticket, $25. a State? It is not. Cheapest ticket to get mm. in the door in College Station. Well, there's only one more 40, real option here. $46. Arkansas-Auburn? For $14. You can see Auburn at Arkansas at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon in Fayetteville. Fourteen bucks. Most expensive ticket in the SEC this week. I'm gonna guess it's Georgia Ole Miss. Hundred ninety nine dollars. And that's a... down fifty bucks from yesterday. Yesterday the cheapest get in the door ticket was. That's the most expensive, least expensive ticket. Yes, that is the most expensive okay. get in the door ticket. You want to sit okay. sideline? You're looking at four, five hundred bucks a ticket. And when I say sideline, I'm talking between the twenty fives, between the thirties. Okay. And, and that thing spiked. You, you had tickets that were going for five and six hundred bucks Sunday of this week. Looks like the weather's going to cooperate, too. Um, what, low 60s, upper 50s, and the rain's going to get out of there? All right, so the rest of the league. Uh, Kentucky, Alabama, get in the door price, 73 bucks. 25 for Vandy at South Carolina. I'm a little surprised it's not more here. Tennessee at Missouri, $48. Hmm. I feel like it's going to be packed to the gills at Faroe Field on Saturday. It should be. Yeah. So so fourteen for Auburn, Arkansas, one ninety nine for Ole Miss and Georgia, fifty eight for Florida at LSU, forty six for Mississippi State and Texas A and M. We'll wrap up the four o'clock hour with you coming up next on Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Hey, let's go time. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We're 10 days away from the launch of the fourth annual Holly Jolly Holidays in Oxford, presented by Visit Oxford. It's located at the Old Armory Pavilion. They've got the skating rink that is back. Opening day will include visits with Santa a live ice carving, and inflatables for the kids. Times and pricing info are available online at visitoxfordms.com. And be sure to uh, follow along on social media at uh, Holly Jolly Holidays OXMS. So Holly Jolly Holidays OXMS. And then one other thing that's happening Saturday, November 18th, um, Small Town Christmas is filming in Oxford. It's the opening day of Holly Jolly Holidays. The square lighting is happening Sunday night, November 19th. And uh, the episode of Small Town Christmas that is filmed in Oxford will air on Fox Business Network on December 16th. So that's all coming up, courtesy of Visit Oxford. What is the game outside the SEC? Um, Yes? Small Town Christmas. Uh-huh. Will air on Fox Business Network. Yes, Fox Business Network is in the business of Christmas movies. It's not just like a news channel. You know, I didn't, I didn't negotiate the contract. I, I, I am not sure. I'm of just the confused on that. All right, um, all right. It's a better option yeah. than like streaming only. I, I, no, I, I thought it was gonna because, be like on the Hallmark Channel or something, though. Yes. That's where um, I was when I think Christmas movie. That's where I was going. You gonna be an extra? You you need to you need to work your way into we that. Need, we need to find a, a way to get you in that. We movie. need a, a cross cameo. Yes, we need well, to make that happen. I mean, hold on a second. I, I think the filming is happening on Saturday the eighteenth. Oh well, you'll be busy. Uh, if no, you know what? Maybe if they're still there for the uh, the lighting of the square. Maybe I'll be there that Sunday night. I'll be back home, and so just hold up a giant John three sixteen uh, sign. We'll know it's you. It's like what could you wear that would cause you to stand out? Yeah. Um, a very uh, Haydad Christmas will be airing on the Cooking Channel. So, formerly, no, it still is. I, I you know, we still eat on Christmas. Well, okay. Is that a is that a cheat day or just a less gluttonous than it I got, used to I got, be a day? that's my issue yeah I got I got to work really hard these next few weeks I got some cheat days well not, not cheat days just yeah, days I I say, I'm not going to worry about you told me it. you're like no I cheated for forty five years yeah but Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving all right I'm still going to eat on Thanksgiving yeah and you need to show your genuine thankfulness I do it doesn't need I to do. be half hearted no correct try this for a third time. Outside of the SEC, what is the game that you're most looking forward to this weekend? 
Easy answer to me. Yeah, it's Penn State, Michigan. Penn State, Michigan. I want to... That's the one. This punishment stuff is getting weird, and Michigan's claiming that the Big Ten can't punish Harbaugh, which, again, okay, good luck with that. Um, I want to see Penn State punish Michigan. Wait, wait, no. Michigan is claiming that the Big Ten can't punish Harbaugh. Right, and good luck with that. Yeah. And good luck getting any support in that endeavor as well. But, yeah, that that's the one, man. That that I can't wait to watch that game. You know that... That's a good one. In years gone by, the clear answer would be Miami at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess less so now. It used to be a game you planned the weekend around. You were like, that's that's the game. That's the game of the year. That game on Labor Day night. Yeah. I mean, I loved it when they were number one, number two every year. That was always fun. Yeah. For, for Ole Miss fans, you're obviously rooting for a win, but... Uh, also, root for Penn State. As hard as that might be to stomach, root for Penn State. Root for Miami. Root for USC. Root for Utah. Yeah. The, I guess if you take care of your own business, you can still surpass Penn State even if they beat Michigan. Or, or you can have somebody else beat Penn State later. Right, because that, that, that'd be a pretty good resume yeah. win for a one-loss Penn State team that would likely jump you. It would be the only one they'd have, though. You'd have LSU. If Tulane keeps winning, you'd have Tulane, and you'd have at Georgia. That's not true, though. Penn State, whether you want to laugh or not, is probably going to have a win over a, what ends up being a 10-2 and Iowa team. True. That's, they, they I believe that. that's the tiebreaker, too. I believe that if they all finish with one loss, Michigan, Michigan Ohio State, and, and uh, Penn State, it's Penn State's win over Iowa that gets them to the Big Ten championship game. But that would mean they would that have Michigan a win over the highest weight. That's correct. Yeah, in a three-way tie. Yes, which is possible. I mean, no it's very doubt. possible. Michigan. You know, I mean, we we love to throw around the toxic word with the Egg Bowl. There may never be a more toxic rivalry game than this Ohio State Michigan game coming up. This one in particular. College Football Fix is next. You're number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Hey, Dad, I feel like I owe you an explanation on Small Town Christmas. This is not like Hallmark-style movie where they're filming the entire thing. It's a holiday travel show on Fox Business Network. And they celebrate America's small towns around the holiday season. And the two towns that they are highlighting this year for Season 3, Oxford and Bryson City, North Carolina. Which looks like a lovely town. I just did a little Google image search. That makes a lot more sense now. So that, now, now you're you're not going to watch Candace, Candace Cameron on yeah Fox Business Network. No, no, yeah, no. So you, you, okay. You, so there we're there all we're yeah. on the same page now. Got some clarification. So it's kind of a show that's highlighting Oxford as a small town, all decorated for Christmas. So 
There you go. Be cool. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV and on your supertalk Mississippi stations all across the Magnolia State. Uh, Let's just jump right into the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So the attitude, the demeanor, the words coming out of Oxford, Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin leading into the Georgia game. Today on the SEC teleconference, Lane Kiffin was asked about playing a team that has a winning streak like Georgia has. 26 straight, 42 of the last 43. Here's what he said. I think it allows you to play and coach looser, not uptight or tense or stressed. I think it takes some pressure off. Being on the other side before, talking about when he was at Southern Cal, I think that as an assistant at Southern Cal when they were trying to win three straight national titles, I think the team with the streak has more pressure when you're the number one team or have that long streak. What do you have to lose when nobody expects you to win? Is he taking a, first of all, I kind of agree with what he's saying there. Do you guys? Just like surface level? It feels like, generally speaking, there's more pressure on Georgia, sure. The the one thing I would say is, I mean, this is a program for two years that has played in in many, many big games and didn't appear to uh, be affected uh, by the presence of pressure. But still, if you had to pick which team is under a, a bigger microscope in terms of the result of the game... It is Georgia. So my second question is, does it feel like just a little bit Lane Kiffin is taking a page out of the Kirby Smart playbook and telling his team nobody expects you to win, they got the better roster, you're like trying to – or is that is that necessary this week? I mean, coaches are always looking – for a way to give their team an edge to motivate them. Is that the right tactic this week? Uh, I think when you're the underdog, that's usually that just usually is the tactic. You know? And it's a, it's an easy sell this week because the majority of the country do, isn't going to buy into Ole Miss winning this game. They're gonna they're gonna say, hey, Ole Miss is a good team, but going into Georgia, that's a whole different different you know animal. And yeah, I, I you know, and players like to hear that. They just like to hear that, hey, all we've got is each other in this locker room. That 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 there's a reason it's been is every coach says it because he can it's it you can get your team to buy into it because they want to buy into it. They want to buy into the idea of that we're going in there, everybody in this locker room, we're the only ones who think we're going to win, and we're going to do it. I mean, they want to buy that. But but isn't there a needle to thread in this also? Like, you want to play up, you're the underdog, you against the world, nobody thinks you can win, but you simultaneously have to sell to your team, guys, 
you're good enough. And not only yeah. are you good enough, you don't have to be perfect. You have to play well. You have to play really well, offensively, defensively. You may have to do something special on special teams, but you're good enough to win this football game. Like, isn't that kind of the the road that you have to navigate leading up to a game like this? Yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, that it, it, you got to you got to both simultaneously say nobody believes we can win, but I believe we can win. That's that's how that's that's the road you have to take. Yeah. Yeah, what what is it that people say what we have or what's in this room is all we got and it's all we need or whatever. You know, it's easy to motivate. We're all we got, we all we need. Now, Lane Kiffin not a big locker room speech guy. No. He, he he's just not. Mm-mm. And team comes out, I mean, their first place their, their first series offensive script has got to be studied by scientists. <laughs> They're the best first opening drive team in college football for four years now. But um, I do find it interesting that he has taken that at every press opportunity this week. Free shot, nothing to lose, nobody expects us to win, that kind of stuff uh, over and over again. It should lead to a really loose it should lead to a really loose team and a loosely coached game. I mean, it it felt like they were wound up so tight in Tuscaloosa that, I mean, you could have just tapped them and they would have just combusted like broken glass, you know? But yeah, shouldn't be that case this weekend. The, the one thing that, I, that you really hope doesn't happen is that it turns into recklessness. You know what I mean? If you're so loose and so there's nothing to lose, so you might as well go for it on fourth and four on your own 25. That, that's where you hope that with how the team has played this year in close games and how they've responded to adversity, that if you get down a touchdown early, you don't feel like, well, this possession, got to just just do everything you can to go score right now or else the game is lost. That That's the one thing that I'd – I'm overanalyzing, I suppose, but I, I would – you you would hope that they don't turn loose into recklessness when it comes to decision-making. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up the tight against Alabama thing. I was on um, with Cole Kublik and Aaron Murray yesterday, and Aaron asked me about that. He's like, hey, what about the you know, Ole Miss not great in big game, like high-pressure situations? He mentioned the Alabama game and some other times. I was like, uh, well, like I get the premise of what you're asking, but I don't think it's a big game thing for Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin, I think it's an Alabama thing. I think it's a Nick Saban thing. And, and we've talked about that on this show. I think Lane Kiffin wants so badly to beat Nick Saban and Alabama. And it drives him crazy that he hasn't been able to do it. And he puts so much into that. Now, they didn't allow that to hang over for a week this year or multiple weeks like it appears happened last year. And I thought his tone with that was better this year, but, but even in the game, I mean, if you, you think about the flow of the game and some of the play calling, and it was like, there's just not, it doesn't look like it's coming easy. And some of that's because of Alabama. But I think he, I think Lane Kiffin has so much respect for Nick Saban that he wants so badly to beat him. And it's almost like he needs to prove that. I haven't seen Ole Miss look 
the way they look against Alabama against any other team in the time that Lane Kiffin's been here? Nope. And he, everything from messaging, too. I mean, acts totally different that week. I know that he trolls Jimbo, but that's an annual thing, too, at this point. So that, that's not out of the ordinary. Um, and that, that's not to say that he doesn't respect Kirby in Georgia. He absolutely does, but it's different. I mean, it, there are a lot of coaches that talk about how they're friends with other coaches when they're really not. There's another coach in the SEC that does that often, it appears. Genuinely think that they are friends. It, Lane Kiffin and Kirby Smart are, are I mean, they're, they're buddies. They coach together and, and all that, so maybe that loosens him up a little bit as opposed to Nick Saban being like the patriarch of modern college football. Kirby's a guy that he coached with. Spent a lot of time to, together, I, I would assume. C-Smart text line, fine line between loose and still fighting for the ranking slash pole position, not going for it on fourth and four on your own 25, but still playing competitively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's fine line. Completely agree with you that. You might see some wrinkles that you haven't seen what? yet as well. The way Kiffin coaches against uh, Bama kind of reminds me of the way Mullen did when State went over there in 14. Like that was a good state team. They, sh- they they but they went over there and they played so conservative for the first three quarters that by the time they they got things rolling, it was just too late. I feel like that happens with with Ole Miss a lot of times too. Real quick, they they ran the Jordan Watkins play where he was like faking like he was running off the field, and then he stayed on the field and they went for the touchdown. You think they used that against A and M because they thought Georgia was more disciplined and they might not get that score? Possible. Just wondering. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Or Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jordan Hill joins us. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs at the uh, Georgia 24-7 site, Dogs 247. Jordan, really appreciate a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Uh, Let's jump in with, I guess, what has become the biggest story of the week, and that's the health of Brock Bowers. What, What do we know in terms of what he has done so far this week and what you expect from him? Yeah, it's uh, sort of number 19 watch in Athens right now. You know, uh, we, we heard from Kirby on Tuesday that Brock was back running at practice. A little bit after we talked to Kirby, one of the receivers, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, shared uh, that uh, he had heard that Brock had hit 19, 20 miles an hour on the GPS. I'm sure Kirby wasn't real thrilled that uh, he decided to share that with the media. But, yeah, you know, I, I think all the anticipation – for this game, outside of the fact that this is a top ten game and, and it's going to uh, go a long way in deciding who plays in Atlanta, uh, is on the Georgia side if Brock Bowers can come back. Uh, just based on what I've heard right now, uh, I do think he'll suit up on Saturday. It's just going to be a question of if he's going to be able to play. You know how he has navigated this week, getting back, running, um, if he is ready to go. Um, but I do think he'll be in uniform, and it's going to be up to how he's feeling on Saturday. And even if he does play. I have to imagine they're going to be uh, really smart about how much they play him, maybe 10, 15 snaps, uh, try to get him back 
uh, into form uh, after missing the last two games. How much does it matter that this is Georgia's last home game and likely his last time to suit up inside Sanford Stadium? Well, I'm sure that there is an emotional part of that, that he wants to finish things off uh, in Athens on a high note. But I, I do think everyone involved is going to be very smart about this. You know, Brock is most likely going to be a first-round pick, and depending on the value of tight end, you know, maybe he's a top-ten pick. Uh, so I don't think they're going to push the issue uh, just for, you know, sort of how he feels and how much he wants to be back there. Because, you know, it sounds like if it was up to him, he would have been practicing uh, very soon after that surgery. That's just the kind of guy he is. It's not necessarily a surprise. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure that there's an emotional piece to this. Uh, but I think the people making the decisions, Kirby Smart, uh, head trainer Ron Corson, and really the entire Georgia staff, I think they're going to be smart about whether they play him or not and if he does play, uh, what kind of workload he gets. So, Jordan, I, I've been to Athens a few times for, for a football game when Ole Miss was playing, and I always got the impression that the potential for an electric atmosphere was there. But it was like that was kind of saved for an Auburn game or if LSU was coming to town or it happened to be an Alabama game. It never felt like Ole Miss got that much juice. And that was back when Ole Miss and Georgia played almost every year. Given the stakes this week, that, that it's a top-ten matchup, and it's at night, is, is this Georgia's first night game of the season? No, uh, they've played a few earlier in the year. Uh, okay. Last year they didn't have any night games. But, uh, you know, looking at this game and as far as the crowd, I do think you're going to see them factor into this one. I think Kirby Smart was really smart in interviews to start the week, really pushing for the crowd to be loud. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people who kind of took issue with how the, the crowd really wasn't a factor last week against Missouri. I think there was a couple times it kind of got loud, but um, definitely you know, made things easier on Missouri than they could have. And, uh, you know, Georgia gets some flack sometimes um, when it comes to crowd noise. You know, some of it is sort of uh, uh, kind of boils down to the, the architecture of Sanford Stadium. You got one end of the end zone that's completely open. You know, it kind of loses some noise, but that's not to say it can't get loud. You know, I think the Tennessee game last year when Tennessee came in as the number one team in the college football playoff ranking, um, that's the loudest I've ever, ever heard Sanford Stadium. I know a lot of people also point to the Notre Dame game a few years ago when they came to Athens as being super loud. So I do think that they have to be motivated to get there and uh, really play a, a role in this. And I think given the stakes, and like I said, given the fact that Kirby Smart kind of called on the fans to to do something, do their part. Um, that should be motivational in a night game uh, with a whole lot of stakes. Jordan, I did an interview yesterday um, and was asked from a, if there was an area on the field where I thought Ole Miss had an advantage against Georgia. I'm curious your, your take on that. When you look at these two rosters and you kind of compare position groups, is there an area that you think Ole Miss may be better than Georgia? The one that immediately stands out to me is running back. And part of that is that Georgia has been pretty banged up there, but uh, you know they've kind of gotten figured out with Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton. But you know, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Quinchon Judkins and also Ulysses Bentley. I think they've both done a very, very good job this year. Other than that, and you know, I'll be honest, not having a total grasp of what their roster has been able to do, it, it just—it's easy for me to say, well, Georgia has continued to recruit top three classes year after year. I, I tend to give them the edge, but 
Running back is where it kind of stands out to me, uh, just with what Juckins is able to do. Uh, Georgia just kind of grinds out yardage, and you know you, you haven't had a ton of big games from their backs this year. I mean, Tajon Edwards has been the, the top back, and he's had a few really big games. I think about the South Carolina game early in the year. Um, but off the top of my head, I'd give uh, Old Miss the edge at running back among the positions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's probably the only position group on the, the field that I would point to where, where that's the case. Uh, I might do it at quarterback also. I know Carson Beck's been really, really good. I, I think the veteran element for Jackson Dart uh, is something. Their numbers are really similar. T- tell us a little bit more about Carson Beck, because I feel like in a lot of ways he's kind of flown under the radar this year as a, as a first-year starter, but he's been really good. Yeah, I think he's lived up to the coach's expectations, and it's sort of funny listening to Kirby Smart when he's asked about you know, what have you learned about Carson Beck? What have you seen through nine games? And Kirby, a lot of the time, has just said, I haven't really learned anything. You know, we knew he was capable of this. It just essentially wasn't his time to start, you know, with Seth and Bennett and what he brought to the offense. You know, I think Carson deserves a lot of credit for how he's taken over this team. I thought you could kind of tell there were nerves in that season opener against UT Martin, which I think is totally natural. And you consider the fact that, uh, he hadn't started a game since he was in high school back in 2019, but I think you've seen him really come into his own. He's done a very good job for the better part of this entire season of you know hitting different receivers, not relying on just one guy, and that's been really crucial in these last two games without Brock Bowers out there. Um, he's done a very good job last week against Missouri. Kind of saw him be more willing to take off and run. Uh, had a big third-down conversion when uh, he saw he had a lot of room to run. He just took off. Uh, he's done a really good job, also done a good job taking care of the football. And uh, I, I don't think you could really have asked any more of him uh, compared to what he's actually accomplished at this point in the season. Is, is there much thought about Carson Beck kind of being one and done uh, and making himself available for the draft? I mean, size-wise, it's kind of prototypical for the NFL. 6'4", 220, he's got the big arm, moves a little better. Is that position's kind of changing at the next level? Or do you think he's back in, in red and black next year? I think it's going to be a conversation. You know, I actually saw before we got on the show um, that ESPN's latest mock draft has him as the number five quarterback. So, mm. you know, it's going to be a decision he has to make. Um, you know, the quarterback room next year has the potential to be pretty loaded. You've got two guys in this upcoming class, including Dylan Raula. Brock Vandegrift is still on this team. He's the guy that pushed Carson Beck the hardest to win that job this spring. Um, and Gunnar Stockton is the guy that's younger than those two guys, is also super talented. So um, I think it's a decision he's going to have to make. I think he's got uh, the capability to go ahead and go pro. I don't know how high he would go, maybe third round, something like that. Um, but I think Georgia would very much welcome him back if he decided to come back in 2024 and uh, would definitely uh, you know, have a chance to build on what's been a really strong first year as a starter. Last thing for you, pretty significant injury on the defensive side last week with uh, Jamin Dumas-Johnson with the the broken forearm. How big of an effect is that on what Georgia does defensively? And and I know going back to your, your point earlier, they've recruited well, good players all over the field, but he was a really good one. Yeah, and Jamon had really been playing his best ball, I thought, of this season and probably the last two or three games. Uh, shame that uh, he got hurt at the end of the third quarter against Missouri. Um, it it kind of adds to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with the running backs. That's sort of my key to this game is can they slow down Quinshawn Jenkins because Jamon was outstanding against the run. 
And you've got Smile Munden, who is a junior like Jamon. Uh, he's going to be counting on him to do quite a bit. And then besides Smile, you're probably winning on two true freshmen, C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson. Now, these two guys were two of the top linebackers in the country in this most recent class. But that's a lot to ask of some young guys who kind of had trial by fire when they've been out there. You know, there's been mistakes and there's been miscues along the way. So you're really looking at those two true freshmen. Then Xavier Story is a former five-star, also he's actually a redshirt sophomore, um, but he hasn't really played a ton. Uh, missed last week's game due to personal reasons. So there's definitely a question at linebacker besides Smile Munden. Uh, those guys are very talented, uh, but they're going to be taking on a much bigger role with Jamon unavailable. A lot of build-up to this one. We'll see if it lives up to the hype on Saturday night. Jordan, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, sounds great. Jordan Hill from Dogs 247 covers the Georgia Bulldogs, Ole Miss and Georgia. 7 o'clock Eastern time, 6 o'clock here in the Magnolia States on ESPN on Saturday night. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Tonight, the 14th and final team in the SEC will open its men's basketball season, and that is Mississippi State. Had a bunch of games on Monday night, handful of games last night. Uh, I guess it was two last night, and then one game tonight with Arizona State and Mississippi State playing in Chicago at uh, Wintrust Arena as part of the Barstool Sports Classic. Um. I mean, this is this is cool. Starting the season with a name brand opponent, and hey, Dad, Mississippi State starting the year away from home, so mm-hmm. a little unfamiliar environment. But what are you expecting? You know, if State was going up there at full strength, I would expect them to come out with a, with a win, um, and I still think they can win. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, but with you know Tolu to- to- Smith clearly obviously still out, Keyshawn Murphy still out, and then we learned uh, Monday that Shaq Moore out for this game, uh, suspended for for disciplinary issues is how that was put. Um, it's gonna be tough. You know they're gonna have to really rely on some of their new faces, a guy like Andrew Taylor, the transfer from Marshall, maybe the true freshman Josh Hubbard. I think that what I asked Chris Jans about a few weeks ago, they're gonna have to play fast. They're gonna have to play you know some some, some smaller lineups. I think. Um, but they can still win this this game, and I think that has a chance to be. You know, it's it's only the first game, and it's it's tough to talk about resumes at this point. But this has the potential to be a, a good win on the resume throughout the season. I expect Arizona State to be a, a decent basketball team. Could be could end up being a quad two or a quad one win with it being at a neutral site. Do you know who is favored in this game? I would guess, in terms of of gambling, it's probably Arizona State. I think I know that Ken Palm has State favored to win though. Uh, Mississippi State is a three and a half point favorite. Well, there the you go. total number of points in the game is one thirty point five. One thirty and a half. You know, I kind of until like we the have uh, until we have fur- it's a new information. Let's stick with what worked last year and made some folks some money. Uh, let's bet those Mississippi State unders. 
I mean, in terms of scoring, if Mississippi State shoots it well from the outside and they're able to play fast and get easy buckets, okay, maybe they can get the scoreboard going. But your primary scoring threat in, in Tolu Smith, obviously not there. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about a game played in the low 60s would still be an under. Yeah. Just something to think about. Like I said, unders paid off for a lot. I mean, I can't tell you how many people sent me screenshots or, or pictures of their betting slips. They're like, these unders are just, it's like stealing money almost. Hmm. I mean, it was, just, it was just easy money for State a year ago. And like I said, with, with Chris Jans there and the way he coaches defense, until we have some new information, until we see this team start lighting up the scoreboard, probably a safe bet to, to stick with the under. What is your expectation for Mississippi State basketball this year? What, what, what is your expectation and what should the expectation be? I don't know if the answer to those two questions are different. I think they're similar, to be honest with you. And we, we went into a lot of detail today on Thunder and Lightning on the podcast. We did our official uh, basketball preview. Um, I think this would be a tournament team. You know, uh, I told Lou Smith back mid-January, there's some, there's like a wisp of smoke out there that may, maybe even sooner than that, that he might be back at the start of conference play. If that's the case for State, you know, they returned all five starters from a tournament team a season ago. They went and added a couple of good pieces in the recruiting class. They added a really good transfer in Andrew Taylor. And I think Jimmy Bell can give you the same kind of minutes that Will McNair gave you a season ago. They're going to call on him to start the season, obviously, with Tolu out. And if Chris Jans can take that team that last year I thought had no business being in the postseason and get them there, then I think he can do it again. Now, how far can they get? You know, it's it's tough to predict the NCAA tournament because it's just so dependent on matchups and, and who you play and, and where you play them. So, do they have the potential to be a second win team, a second weekend team? Yeah, we could we could probably say that, but I think getting to the tournament is going to be the baseline. Chris Jan said, and when we, when again, this is something I asked him about a couple weeks ago on Thunder and Lightning Live, that normally, you know, he just puts his goals up for the season and it's NCAA tournament. Uh, this season, he said he changed that goal. He didn't tell me exactly what it was, but he changed that goal. He had that much belief in his team. So we'll see where it, uh, see where it takes him. So not just an NCAA tournament. That's, that, that's what he insinuated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know how much difference it makes what these teams did a year ago because there's so much change year to year in college basketball. Arizona State was 23 and 13 last year. They went 10 and 3 in their non-conference games, averaged 71 points a game. State 21 and 13 last season, 12 and 2 in the non-conference, and they averaged just under 66 points per game. So this one's going to be fun. And what, Barstool TV is where you watch it? Barstool you can watch it at Barstool or... TV or, the, uh, or on YouTube on the, on the uh, Barstool Sports feed. Okay. So uh, 8.30 tip-off tonight in Chicago. If you want to uh, you want to watch that one, you can, uh, you can do it. S- same question about Ole Miss basketball. Yeah. The, Tell what, me if what, they get the waivers or not. Are, are are Murray and Cisse going to be eligible, or are they not? I, mean, I think Murray's more important than Cisse, although they would both be dramatically impactful players for the team one way or another. But they clearly need scoring, and he would help that. But 
Um, in the event that they don't get those waivers, I think anybody expecting them to make the tournament in year one uh, is being unrealistic. Now, if they do, great. Yeah, I mean, awesome, great season. Like, enjoy the heck out of it. That, that, that's awesome. But I think a fair expectation for this team is to look different, and they do, in terms of, I mean, it's just one game. But I'm talking about things like timeout management, rotations, purposeful offense, things like that. Um, and play meaningful games in February. Games that matter. Ole Miss basketball's kind of been out of it over the last few years by the time January came. So are they playing competitive, meaningful basketball games deep into SEC play? And, and if that they are, you've got to have some success in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you you can't roll out a, a seven and four non-conference record or seven and five non-conference record, and and they're going to kind of ease into the schedule. They had the ten point win against Alabama State, didn't shoot it particularly well. One thing that stood out from that game was a great crowd. They announced six thousand, and I, I talked to some people that were there. That's probably about the right number. I was told that students were turned away from entering the lower bowl student section and were sent to the upper deck because it was it was full. Chris Jan, excuse not Chris Jans, Chris Beard, invested a lot of time on campus with different student groups and fraternities and sororities, talking to them about the importance of being there. They responded in in his debut game as coach on Monday night. They get Eastern Washington and Detroit Mercy and Sam Houston State all at home. Those next four are at home. By the way, that Sam Houston State game is the uh, that's the game that's going to be played at, at Tad Smith, the Tad Pad. Then they go to Temple. So that's a game where you can win that one on the road. So that's a decent resume game. They get NC State at home in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Opportunity there. They follow that up with Memphis at home. Memphis's schedule early in non-conference play is brutal. Just, just a quick aside. Um, here's Memphis's non-conference. So they beat Jackson State in the opener. At Missouri, they get Alabama State at home. Michigan, at Ole Miss, at VCU, at Texas A&M, Clemson, Virginia, Vanderbilt. All in the non-conference. Now, they need to do that because their American schedule is not going to do a whole lot for them, but that's a, that is a legit non-conference schedule. Um, the game against Southern Miss on the coast two days before Christmas, December 23rd. And then when Ole Miss jumps into SEC play, they, they kind of jump into the deep end at Thompson Bowling Arena on the opening weekend of conference play. Um, I think it was Seth Greenberg at ESPN that picked Tennessee to win it all. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's how good an experience Tennessee is. Then, so we'll see. I think it's a good point, though. I mean, you can manage the non-conference schedule with you know just one or two losses, and then you can kind of hold your own own through January. Then it could get really interesting. And it's been a while since we've had Mississippi State and Ole Miss, who were both interesting in February in basketball. Yeah, I mean this is so exciting. With all due respect to you, Dwayne, you know I love you, but he said let's skip basketball and go straight to baseball, buddy. Not this year. There is. If we're going to do that, 
just to skip straight ahead to football next year. There ain't going to be anything talking about baseball season in Starkville, I promise you that. that. There is more interest in basketball in this state entering this season collectively And that, that since includes when? Southern Miss. Yes, absolutely. Since when? <laughs> I mean, since, I, since I've been on this show, anyway. Hadn't, hadn't felt like it's this going into a season since then. How much time do I have? Real quick, I don't know if you saw Richard, but speaking of basketball, Aaron Harper passed away this past weekend. I don't know if you saw that or not. What a yeah. terrible loss. Had a car accident, I saw. I think car accident, saw. really tragic deal. That's awful. That's I remember him two, so well. You remember two the of the Provine Posse, Posse. With Justin Reed and Aaron yeah. Harper and David Sanders. And David Sanders left yeah. us far too early. Prevention kits in hands all across Mississippi, and we need your help to do it. Go to attorneygeneralinfitch.com slash one pill to learn how you can take action to educate, support, and empower others to know that just one pill really can kill. To all the folks in the Capital City metro area, love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 to 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3. Filed their response to the Big Ten possibly punishing them and Jim Harbaugh. And they made some good points in their response. I'm reading through Dellinger and, and these guys that, that are, are getting it, and some of it is, you know, there's no precedent for this. You, you, you can't, without due process and a completion of an investigation, levy punishments and stuff like that. Like, that, that's all solid. Here's a line, though, from Michigan's response to the Big Ten for why they shouldn't get punished, okay? This is gold. Quote, it is highly dubious that a junior analyst's observations about the other side's signals would have a material effect on the integrity of competition, particularly when, according to present evidence, the other coaches did not know the basis for those observations. <laughs> it's like Michigan. He's on video. Guys, Michigan. We have him telling the other coaches on video. Have you not seen it yet? Because somebody needs to send it to you. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. And, hey, if you want to save some money, just click the link at the bottom of their webpage to get 10% off on your order. All you got to do is enter your name and your email address. They'll send you a code for 10% off at checkout. They've got all of their new fall arrivals in stock. And, of course, the Collegiate Collection could make for great gifts to whoever the sports fan in your life is as we roll toward the holiday season. Genteelapparel.com. Tomorrow... Gerard, with Middays, Middays with Gerard Gibbert, will be live at the two Mississippi museums for the annual Veterans Day ceremony. For more info on how Mississippi is honoring its veterans, go to mdah.ms.gov. mdah.ms.gov. Hey, Dad, when we, uh, when we finish here in just a matter of moments, there is another program on Super Talk Mississippi. It's called Thunder and Lightning. It is hosted by you. Uh, what's coming up tonight on Thunder and Lightning? You want me to talk about what's coming up on Thunder and Lightning? Yes. Uh-oh. I ask what? 
You want me? You want me? To, you want me to talk about it? Is that correct? All right, moving on. What? Uh, so thunder. And what? Lightning. What? What? That's right. Now that's mealy mouth. Richard Cross is shut up. I can start talking about what's happening on Thunder and Lightning, Mississippi State sports, a coaching change. Oh hell yeah! Get ready for it. It's coming up tonight, six o'clock. Thunder and Lightning, and that's the bottom line. Calls, hey dad, said so. Somebody tossed me a beer. We got a beer? No beer. Okay. Only I had a beer. I could have done the whole thing there. Smashed it on your couple head. of hey dad wisers. No, I would have just smashed them together and then tried to chug them as fast as I could. Uh-huh. He didn't get go. much of the beer down when he was... Hey, that down. man wasted more beer than any human being alive. He wasted, I, I, on average, a case a night. Outside of the right field student section at Ole Miss Baseball. Yes! Yes! But your beer oh, wasters. goodness. Goodness. If you're looking for a new car or truck or SUV, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. Highway 6 West in Oxford. Family company for a really long time. Been a Ford dealership since 1961. Belk has been in the automobile industry uh, for over 100 years, and uh, they will treat you well. Tell them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Whether you want to get behind the wheel of a brand-new F-150, an Explorer, an Expedition, a used vehicle, or up the hill at Oxford Toyota, they've got you covered at Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Um, basketball tonight, we talked about that just a minute ago. Don't forget Mississippi State, 8.30 tonight against Arizona State. Game streaming on the Barstool YouTube channel or the Barstool Sports website. Barstool.tv is what it is. You don't have to pay for it. There you go. So it is, uh, it is free. You have college football on your television tonight. Uh, triple header of Maction. We got three straight days of triple headers. So if you want that, you got Akron and Miami of Ohio at six on ESPNU. Also at six on CBS Sport, Sports Network, Bowling Green and Kent State, and Eastern Michigan Toledo. Toledo eight and one and undefeated in MAC play uh, at home tonight at six thirty on ESPN two. They are a big favorite in that game, nineteen and a half point favorite. When the total is just forty five and a half. So, a lot of expectation for the Toledo Rockets and Jason Candle, whose name is going to be back popping when uh, the coaching carousel season rolls around. Remember, he was a hot name, and then Toledo struggled for a couple of years, and he was a no-name, and now he's a hot name again this year. If I was advising Jason Candle, I'd say, you probably better jump this go-around. You don't know when the next The candle is burning? Is that what you're saying? The candle is burning. Whether it's at both ends or not, I don't know. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.